0: You're listening to the podcast Carlos Avalon My Music My Life. Thank you for tuning in. And now here's your host, Carlos Avalon. I should have asked you for your number And if you'd like for me to go I think I really love Once again from Palm Springs, California, where the fun never stops, certainly for me it never does. Um, this time we Are starting a three part series of episodes that will take you behind the scenes and backstage of one of my performances and actually many of these things i'm about to tell you apply to most entertainers and most shows that you go to see regardless of the level of the artists notoriety or stardom of course the big stars have a bigger budget so a lot more goes on for the superstars behind the scenes but I'm going to apply mostly to my performances and the shows that you've come to see me do. And here's what was going on before you ever, some cases, bought to take it before you came in, sat down, and before the curtain went up. Uh, first, what happens? Well, a date is uh, set, a venue is picked. And a cost, a budget is put together. As entertainers, we must always secure the date, and sometimes it's our managers or agents that do it, and the venue in writing um, before we can go any further. Uh, The handshake thing, uh, you can't rely on that anymore, sadly. Um, Without a contract, there can be no performance in today's world. This often requires negotiating price, the club, the concert call, uh, negotiating with each of those entities, and if it's an outdoor venue too. Uh, We must always determine uh, what out of pocket costs we will incur as the artist. It always costs money to make money, and to put on a show costs a lot of money. Yeah, you don't want to lose money on each time each time you perform trust me i've been there i've lost money on some of my shows and uh, you have to avoid that at all costs second you determine who pays and how much (laughs) some fans may not understand that the artist in many cases is both promoter and entertainer some of the shows that i've done that you've come to see my team we were the promoters and the entertainers we in essence rented the venue and we had to to, to take care of all the accommodations and everything in many cases the artist has a contract to rent the venue the auditorium the con- concert hall And uh, so that we uh, directly, we ourselves are the ones selling the tickets and uh, but we have to take care of the musicians, sound engineer, videographer. These days um, I record every performance um, uh, for my own. Critique and study, but also for legal protection reasons, uh, in case something goes wrong. Also, security we have to 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 provide, and of course, then there's CDs for sale, the merchandise counter. Um, in other cases, actually, the promoter uh, handles all, all of that or most of those details, and we, me, the artist, will likely receive a cash advance so that we have the funds to pay for the rehearsals of the musicians and other costs that come to us. Sometimes we ourselves have to rent some equipment. The promoter and artist will then in that situation uh, sometimes split the, the proceeds made from the concert. Third, promotion. Wherever the concert might be at, whether it's at a nightclub, at a small uh, supper club, at a restaurant, or in a concert hall, in the theater, every performance needs to be advertised. Advertising is usually a partnership between the entertainer and the venue. That is, uh, the performer reaches out to his or, or her fans by advertising on Facebook, social media, and thank God for social media because it helps us tremendously these days and saves on the advertising budget uh, also. Even if, if we pay to advertise some ads on Facebook and social media, it, it is nothing like trying to, to to buy a billboard on a street near the venue to promote your event. The concert hall or nightclub also advertises on their own and through their own media outlets. Uh, you certainly hope that's the case. I always have current promotional photos, what we call press photos, and um, um, every two years or so uh, we do it. Um, uh, if you've heard me talk about Bruce. Uh, Bruce Ramirez, uh, he's my photographer, my graphic designer and so um, every two years we make sure that we have current photos. And uh, in my case, as I'm very uh, frank with my um, audience, uh, I've struggled with <laughs> with my weight through the years. And uh, sometimes I have to do a photo shoot for promotion more often than I'd like to because I always am very careful. I do not want the promo photos to show me Looking uh, much different from the look you're going to find when you come see me at the performance. So I tried to have all that as current as possible. Guess what? That costs money and in many cases we hope the venue the shows of that season cover the cost that you took six months before or even a year before of all the photos used to promote that particular show and also the bio the bio has to be always updated and current so that press can learn a little bit about the performer and so on and then there's also of course very important the set list What songs will I include in that particular show, that particular night? Whether it's a small venue, a big um, theater, you've got to plan in advance and have an idea um, and a set list. Uh, uh, Entertainers must always refresh their show with new material while still providing the fans with the songs they always want to hear. Uh, For instance, on the piano, on my piano segment of my show, I always include um, some musical theater. And one of the most requested is always the Phantom of the Opera medley, the Sound of Music medley. Uh, In my case, I try to include either one of those. Any set list must start with a strong opening and a strong closing. All of the songs in the middle must be selected carefully, too, to maintain a good pace. Uh, Remember, like many other things, a show must have uh, a beginning, a middle, and an ending. And, uh, for example, a song... Um, at a fast tempo is usually followed by a mellower song a slower song a medium song or so on or you can do it in segments like two or three up songs fast songs then two or three uh, ballads slow songs and then pick up again and um, too many slow songs will not keep an audience unless you're the brazilian latin superstar roberto carlos all the most well, 90 percent of his hits are romantic music to me he is the most romantic singer out there today so he can get away with that but most of us can't uh and also going back to something that i mentioned a little bit ago that it's always good to start with an tune, a strong opening i learned from another latin superstars you already know the entertainers had great. Influenced in the start of my career. There's an episode about that a couple of um, weeks ago. But there is one uh, that, after those in the beginning, that later on I really uh, still consider uh, the biggest inspiration to m- making me feel comfortable as a songwriter because he was a songwriter. Suddenly he's gone. But I'm talking and I learned from Juan Gabriel. Super, superstar in the Latin market. Uh, we lost him sadly a couple of years ago. I, I want to do tribute to him later on in other episodes. But he was able to open with slow songs sometimes. And that would have not been the norm for him. But um, when he did a great concert at the Palace of Fine Arts in Mexico City, I was surprised that he opened with one of his hits but very slow song, and hmm, I, after that, was no longer afraid to open with a slow song, and I've done that a couple times, but you have to be careful, you know, you have to know you're kind of playing to the home audience, people that already know your style, and they're comfortable, oh, he started with our favorite ballad, and then you, boom, you bring up The energy and follow it by a a fast song I, i always like to maintain my presence as a singer songwriter and musician that means that i always include songs in my show that i've written also as a pianist i like to showcase the piano my piano skills as a musician my musicianship by performing songs um on the piano some that i've written or in most cases that's where i go into the medleys the musical theater medleys the, the latin medleys um of traditional latin music and um uh, either with full orchestra or just alone at the piano or with a string ensemble uh, behind me um or, or, of course, the Middle East. For example, one of the most requested piano pieces for me now is actually Amore Eterno, which is Eternal Love, a song that um, Juan Gabriel wrote, and it's a vocal song. Most hits of that song have been vocal. I do it instrumentally, and it goes across well. I must also choose songs that can be played according to uh, um, the musicians i'm able to hire for the concert for example a song that has a strong brass horn section might not not translate well to having a band that for that venue there was no budget uh, for the ability to hire three four more musicians in essence the horn section and so important number five wardrobe Every entertainer must always make an investment in their wardrobe. I usually wear um, kind of a sharp-looking suit, or things are getting more and more casual these days. But uh, still, if, especially if I'm doing a concert, I will do a tailored costume. De- I get a costume designer to design uh, the sequence. Actually, Kenny, my uh, partner, the co-owner of Avison Entertainment, Evison Records, my company. He was a costume designer. Well, he was an all around talent, but he designed some of my costumes for the casino gigs when I was big time in the casino market. And my sister designed some of my uh, costumes, my outfits, uh, and even my first band, Azor 68, are there, a maternal grandmother. Clementine, she uh, she designed uh, and made the outfits for our band, and so um, uh, that's very important, and that costs money an important thing entertainers need to avoid is wearing the same wardrobe uh, you wore the last time you were at that particular venue or engagement you never want uh, fans to think you only have one suit of course uh, when you're on tour and you're performing every night and you have the suit designed to to fit the rest of the stage set and everything sure It may look like you're wearing the same suit, but you actually paid for four or five of those exactly alike suits because, you know, of course, we perspire performing. And uh, while one is being cleaned, uh, you have another one, but it looks like the same suit, but it's really not. And then number six, sound check. Every venue is different. Big auditoriums carry sound differently from a small nightclub or a small restaurant. Entertainers must always perform a sound check prior to a performance if there is. Too much treble bass reverb, uh, um, or uh, on the mix, it won't sound good and the, the volume and the sound check must always take into consideration the fact that the sound will change. If you're doing the sound check in an empty hall, all that echo is there. But once you fill that hall uh, with a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, whatever the capacity, bodies, uh, it changes. So you have to take that into account. And so the sound check is so important, and it translates the sounds that will sound good to the audience. And um, once in a while, you don't have that luxury. I did a performance in, I think it was Modesto, California. And uh, um, a long time ago, and we 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 drove to the event, and there was I don't know if there was a car trouble or whatever it was. We got there just in time for the crew to set up everything, and curtain time, show time, and we there was no luxury. By the time we were already setting up, people were already coming into the venue. That was risky. I had my good team, but the sound didn't really get right till about. 20 minutes or six or seven songs into the show. Those happen and that's why you hire professionals and you try to get the best people around you so that when those situations come up, it still won't be a fiasco. You can still get it going, but it's not the ideal situation uh, uh, to... to to deal with and then um, monitors monitors for those of you that may not know are the speakers that face the stage face the audience because most often on stage we actually cannot hear because the speakers that you're hearing are facing you so we need if we depend on the speakers facing you to hear ourselves It would be blasting your ears. It would be so loud for you, the audience. So uh, when those are two separate mixes, two separate, in essence, almost sound systems, and uh, it is uh, very important for the performer. Monitors on stage um, have to. uh, A singer must hear uh, her, his, or her voice uh, just right, or else you try to almost accommodate the sound on how you're singing. You you, kind of change. If you're not hearing yourself well at all or totally buried, you may start forcing yourself to sing too loud. That's a no-no. So, all that stuff, all that goes into consideration. Trust me, an audience knows when you're singing off-key. Also, if you're not hearing anything, you may not, you may actually get off the key. And that can happen when that blasting um, sound and, uh, and then uh, sometimes there's the, the, the noise from the crowd and um, the audience so you have to be careful even some of the musicians uh, will have to have monitors because if it's a big band the drummer still needs to hear the pianist, the bass player real well because you got to keep that rhythm section together working as one and and so on so believe me If I'm doing a show that you come to see me and doors open at 8 p.m., show starts at 9 p.m., believe me, we have arrived at that venue around noon if not be most likely before because everything must be done about 30 minutes before the doors open so that the house team uh, the ushers and all can start doing their thing so most concerts that you've come to see me at uh, have probably we've been there since 10 or 11 a.m depending on what time um, curtain time is show time is so a lot goes into it it's so funny when you're working and people say oh he only worked two hours a night uh not so, believe me, not so. I think one one superstar, I can't remember, I think it was, a, was it Liza Minnelli? I can't remember. In some interviews, uh, she said, um, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but I, it may not have been her, but I know I heard this from some big star, that in essence what she was saying was that what she's getting paid for is not the two hours on stage it's all the hours that went in to being able to give those two hours on stage and so true and of course merchandise uh, the merch table is very important fans who love you wanna wanna um, uh, buy your cds wanna buy t-shirts wanna buy some uh, souvenirs we usually will try to have mugs um, t-shirts caps and so on well uh I make sure that we have a team. Uh, Most often it's of volunteers or one of my staff. Um, uh, But, of course, the superstars have divisions. (laughs) There's departments for all that. I remember going back to Juan Gabriel when he sadly passed away. Um, One report I heard on um, Latin News was that 80 people, lost their jobs immediately. Because uh, on stage, that's another reason why I liked him. I like a, a star that wants to have the big sound. Between dancers, singers, mariachis, he had 30 pieces on stage at any uh, all of his shows so if they're saying it was 80, so there was probably another 30 uh, uh, backstage the crew was probably in, if you have 30 uh, members of the, the show itself, the band the singers, then probably another 30 and then maybe uh, that 60 and probably 20 are the management team, the ones that maybe stay at the office back home but that's what it takes. And for a little guy like me, I know. Yeah, I t- just talked about the weight problem. But for someone that is not a superstar, is just making a living on it. Still, when I do a show, if I try to have now my configuration and uh, and arrangements. I have arrangements for ten pieces. Unfortunately, I can um, the venue doesn't always pay enough for that, so I can settle for seven but i do many with four with five or six and to survive i do a lot of solo performances with just me at the piano but even those i arrive at the venue at least 90 minutes before i want to make sure i'm all set at that piano the water glass is where it's supposed to be the sound is right and then when you all start coming in if it's a restaurant venue And I start performing, but I've been there at least an hour and a half before I start to play. And uh, so anyway, you're getting an idea of what it's all about, what goes on behind the scenes, Uh, and then preparing to sing. It's a job. You have to take it seriously. It's so important to protect the voice. Um, especially before a concert, it is common to go on a vocal rest the day before the, um, the performance. Uh, I usually make sure, I try to make sure that uh, if we're rehearsing for a major show, that we end rehearsal, we do the rehearsals the week, two weeks before, And then we have a couple of days of rest, and I rest the voice, and then I try not to talk much the day of the performance. And that's why I actually don't do a lot of social things uh, with friends when I'm performing full-time, because I've got to be on top of my game and that uh, you can't do all that sure in the early days in reno uh las vegas uh, when i was in my 20s i could still go and party a little bit after the shows celebrate but then i'd come home and i'd sleep all day so i'd still sleep about 10 hours and then uh, not talk much till showtime again but um, another thing um, singers must do is, is the food. I mean, you can't, have, um, uh, you can't have, like, to pick me up, coffee with cream. No, you can't have none of that before showtime, maybe three or four hours before. But um, there are some foods that are not good for the voice, especially before the performance. We try to stay away from dairy products, which can cause and do cause phlegm which can cause the, the voice to crack or uh, so, so many things. Singing is such a physical thing. A guitarist can be somewhat tired, could be uh, with a, a cold, a hoarse voice and still give you beautiful guitar music. A singer cannot. And rest is so important. Every entertainer must be fresh and vibrant when they hit uh, the stage, and... Uh, uh, audiences want to see someone who has a positive, is full of energy, dynamic, and full of life. Staying up late or partying, like I said, uh I don't do that anymore. But when I did, I did have the luxury of even if I came back home at 10 a.m. Uh, I mean, at 6 a.m. I could sleep till about 6 p.m. and uh, and then be ready for showtime at 9 p.m. And uh, but I also that's um, even when I did go out to party a bit, I was out. But I, I, I never got into heavy drinking, maybe one or two drinks. But this is something that you may find interesting. I never got into the drug scene that was all over in show business in the 70s and 80s. I'm not going to say that I never tried it, but whatever, the white stuff, the powder uh, through the nose, I had no voice if I tried that. I, I, and I did a couple of times, but I could not sing. It just dried my throat tremendously. So uh, thank goodness that my, my physique, my system could not tolerate and alcohol. I could not drink alcohol lot the night before a, um, a show because it would dry my throat so i was lucky that my physiology would never allow me to to get into all the temptation that was there because when i did try something here and there which was common i mean you'd go to some entertainment showbiz after show parties and the trays would come with the hors d'oeuvres the trays would come with the drinks the trays would come with this, and the trays would come with that, figure out what those two more common things were. But but anyway, that's it. Now, I just covered nine nine, uh, points that are very important, and um, I want you to know that uh, you'll find the next two episodes interesting. But I also must let you know that this is coming to you, this is a collaboration with my editor of the podcast michael edell he actually came up with this idea he kind of wrote all these notes for me to cover and uh, i think i hope you like and understand and we're gonna get into other sections now uh, part two will be this was part one part two will be what the performance itself, and what happens next, what happens after the performance. So, as I always say, I hope you support the podcast by going to buymeacoffee.com-carlosavalon or just be out there listening to my music that is everywhere. And that's it for now. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening Please join us again in two weeks For another episode of Carlos Avalon My Music, My Life Now each night I sit and pray That you'll come back to me someday